Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. John chapter 11, starting at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Emma, thank you for reading. Do keep your Bibles open at that Bible passage. We're looking through John chapter 11, started last week, um, and are going right uh, through uh, chapter 12 the next couple of months. Uh, it's very good to see you. It's great to see students back. hope you've had a great, um, a great time while you've been away over the summer. We're so pleased to have you back. And Paula, thank you so much. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, testimony to the work of God. We're very grateful to you. Now, something you might find useful, apart from having the Bible open in front of you, uh, is to grab uh, this uh, buff-coloured sheet where you'll see the outline of uh, this talk. And that will help you if you like taking notes. But even if you don't, you'll be able to follow along a bit better if you've got that in front of you, I think. Well, now, let me uh, pray for us. Revive your church, O Lord. Exalt your precious name, and by your Holy Spirit, set our love aflame. We do pray indeed that because of the work of your Spirit through your word now, our hearts would be set alight with love for you, and the result would be your name exalted. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, look, I don't need to tell you that death is terrible. Uh, we've heard from Paula this evening of uh, some uh, very, very personal uh, things that are very hard to cope with. Um, others of you will know the pain, the agony of losing a precious loved one, uh, the aching void, the, the desperate realisation that you can never speak to them again. Hopes and dreams for the future ended forever. And then there's the regrets, the, the if-onlys. Many times I've sat with people who are dying and as they've looked back over their lives, they've, they've told me how they regret things they've done in the past, people they've hurt, sometimes the opportunities they've missed. If only I hadn't, or if only I had. One person said to me, I wish I had a giant eraser so I could rub out all the mistakes I've made. Someone else said, there are so many things I could have done. The last 76 years have flown by and as I think back over those years, I regret all the time I just frittered away. If only I'd... It's not just the dying who regret. Those left behind have regrets too. If only the doctor had made the 
uh, diagnosis earlier. If only the surgeon had been able to remove the whole tumour. If only she hadn't bothered with the chemotherapy. It didn't work. It only left her ill and it spoiled the last months that we had together. If only they hadn't taken that car journey, they'd never have been in the crash. Those regrets, the the if-onlys, they are agonising, they eat away at us. Well, look, in John's Gospel, we meet two bereaved women with regrets, Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus who died. We saw that last week. They both have regrets. Well, actually, they have one regret. And in John chapter 11, they express it in exactly the same way. If you were here last week, you'll recall that when Lazarus was gravely ill, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, sent word to Jesus to ask him to come and heal their brother. Jesus delayed going to the village of Bethany where they lived. And when he did go, verse 17 that Emma read for us just now, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. There's the regret. Do you see it? Jesus, if only, if you'd been here, only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And as we read on, we see that Martha's sister, Mary, said exactly the same thing. Verse 32 When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Exactly the same words. One statement made by two sisters. But surprisingly, that statement is met by two quite different responses from Jesus. Jesus engages with Martha and Mary in very contrasting ways. Next week and this week, we're going to look closely at the ways Jesus responds to these two women. This week, the spotlight is on Martha. And first, if you've got the handout in front of you, the first point, we see what Martha believes in verses 17 to 24. Just to get us up to speed, let's remember by the time Jesus arrived at the town of Bethany, uh, we're already well into the story. Last week we discovered that that, that there was a great love between this family and Jesus, between Mary, Martha, Lazarus and Jesus. Again, if you weren't here last week, look back to verse 2. You'll see that um, John reminds us that uh, this Mary was the one who poured perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped uh, his hair with her feet. A great love of ex- a great act of extravagant love. In verse three, the sisters sent word to Jesus, "Lord, the one you love is sick." Jesus loved Lazarus; they knew that. Verse five, uh, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John, the writer of this gospel, doesn't want us to miss it. Jesus loved this family and they loved him. And what's more, they believed that Jesus was someone special with special powers when Lazarus was so poorly. Do you remember verse three? So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You see what they're saying? Jesus, will you come and heal Lazarus? We know you can, you've already done it. By just saying the word, you healed a little boy who was close to death and you didn't even know the lad. So come and heal the one you love. Make Lazarus better, will you? And that's the problem for the sisters. When Jesus did arrive, Lazarus was already dead. He'd been buried for four days, verse 17. Jesus had delayed going down to the town of Bethany. 
And so, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You see, there's the first thing to note about what Martha believed. Martha believed that Jesus could have healed Lazarus and prevented his death. That is quite remarkable faith, is it not? To believe that someone has that sort of power, power to stop death. Today we might go to medics believing they can prevent our death, and sometimes they can through drugs or surgery or whatever, but there are many conditions that even the greatest physicians with the largest budget cannot prevent. Yet for Martha there is no question. Jesus, had you been here, Lazarus would not have died. But there's more that Martha believed She continued, verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha believed that Jesus had the ear of God in some special way. Jesus, God God answers your prayers. Jesus asked God and he'll give you whatever you ask. Sometimes Sometimes people say to me, say a prayer for me, will you? I'm not thinking of the normal and healthy Christian requests that one Christian makes of another. Uh, you know, I'm, I will say to people, I, you know, I'd really value it if you'd pray for me. Uh, no, no, that's not the spirit of it. I'm thinking of the person who knows I'm a vicar and thinks that because of that, in some way, because of my position, I'm closer to God, that God is more likely to listen to my prayers because I'm a vicar. So they say, say a prayer for me, will you, vicar? Now, people do say that sort of thing, but no one has ever said this to me in verse 22 or even thought this of me. God will give you whatever you ask of him. Of course, no one thinks that of me because even if you have a misplaced view of my standing before God, you wouldn't for a moment think that God would give me my every wish, my every command, my every prayer. Here, Martha recognized in Jesus something remarkable. She believed that Jesus has a special relationship with God, a relationship that was unique, a relationship that meant that God really would give him anything he asked for. And there's more about what Martha believed. Look at verse 23. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha has no doubt. She has total confidence in the final resurrection of God's people. We heard something very similar from Paula. Martha's belief in a general resurrection of the last day is rock solid, even in the midst of death. That is very striking. Because of my job, I often talk to the bereaved, and down through the years, I've, I've spent time with, with some of the most wonderful Christian people. But let me tell you, even some of the most solid, mature and thought through Christian people need the reassurance of the gospel when their loved one has just died. Christians who've believed the gospel for years and who know that Jesus promises life after death for those who trust in him, in the moment when it really happens, they need to be reminded, reassured. That is quite normal. Death is devastating and it, it throws us, it, it, it churns up everything and it's, it's enough to leave even the most solid Christian believer needing reassurances. So what a remarkable response from Martha. She's grieving, she's lost her brother, she's confused as to why Jesus didn't heal Lazarus and yet she has Im- immovable confidence 
in the fact of the final resurrection of believers, verse 23, your brother will rise again. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See what Martha believed? She believed Jesus was able to heal. She believed Jesus had a special relationship with God. She believed in resurrection life. But despite all that, there's still something fundamental that Martha doesn't get. There's still something more she needs to know and understand and embrace and believe. And this is crucial to grasp. There are people who believe that God exists. And they believe in life after death. And they believe that Jesus was a special person with special powers. They might even love Jesus, love his morals and his teaching and his life. But despite all that, they are not Christians. They are not yet believers in the way the Bible talks about a believer. Martha believes so much and in so many ways she has remarkable faith. But there's still something more she needs to know and understand and embrace in order for her to really believe. And that is why Jesus responds to her the way he does. So from what Martha believes over the page to uh, who Jesus is, verses 25 to 27. You see again, Martha said, verse 24, I know that he, uh, Lazarus, will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. These famous, famous words are packed with stunning truth. But I reckon to understand them, we do well to go back to Martha's words in verse 24. See, as a Jewish woman steeped in the Old Testament scriptures, Martha was certain that death was not the end. She was sure that there would be a day, a day when all would be raised from the grave. There's any number of Old Testament verses we could turn to to see this, but let's just look at one. Uh, Come back with me to Daniel chapter 12, page 898, if you have a uh, a church Bible, page 898, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And the reason we're going here is to just see one example from the Old Testament, one of Martha's scriptures, so that we see that uh, why she believed in the resurrection on the last day. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 is the verse, but I'll read from verse 1. But take note of verse 2. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There'll be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. There it is clearly stated, there will be a day of resurrection. And note, on that day, everyone will be raised from death. Not only Christians, not only believers, but everyone will exist beyond the grave. The question, verse 2, is not whether you will be raised Beyond the grave, the question is whether you'll be raised to everlasting life or everlasting contempt and condemnation. Whether you'll be raised to be with God forever in his glorious new creation or facing an eternity of shame and separation from God in an unimaginably terrible hell. 
Understanding the general resurrection of all makes the stakes as high as they can possibly be. And again, movingly, we heard it from Paula. The most important thing she wanted of all was for her family to come to know the Lord Jesus for this very reason. See, last week we considered that death is the most terrible thing that we can face in this life. But Daniel chapter 12 says to us, there is a fate worse than death, what the Bible calls the second death. And it is to spend all eternity separated from God. That is why telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important. Some people in this life suffer terribly so that they long for death. Uh, You can maybe think of people you know. You can imagine people in other parts of the world suffering physically, emotionally, mentally. They're in anguish. They feel they have no hope. And some of them are right. They will not get better. It, It will not get better. And while death is horrible and separation from our loved ones is terrible, they really would rather be dead than continue to suffer. But in Daniel chapter 12, we see that death is not the end. And while to be raised to everlasting life with God will be a wonderful thing, to be, to be facing an everlasting existence of shame and contempt will be a fate worse than death. Now that is the background the scriptures give us as we turn back to John chapter 11. Now, whether Martha grasped all that or not, we can see from uh, verse 24 that she had total confidence in a resurrection at the last day of history as we know it. And into that understanding, Jesus said, verse 25, I am the resurrection, the life, He who believes in me will live even though he dies. It's as if Jesus says, yes, there is a resurrection, but that resurrection comes from me. What a statement. Everyone who ever walked this planet will one day on the last day of history be raised from the grave and Jesus says, I do that. Martha, do you know who I am? I am the resurrection. But more than that, Jesus said, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Remember Daniel chapter 12, verse 2? Everyone will be raised from the grave. The question is whether we'll be raised to eternal life or everlasting contempt. And Jesus says, if you want life beyond the grave, if you want life beyond the grave, it comes only from me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Martha, do you believe that? Martha, you clearly believe some remarkable things about me, but does your belief extend that far? Martha, you believe that only, do you believe that only in me will anyone be raised to eternal life? Look, I meet people who have some sort of belief in an afterlife. Uh, You'll meet them as well. Uh, People of different faiths and of no faith. People believe there's something beyond this life. 
Well, of course they do. God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. But, you know, so loads of people believe there's something more. Martha was one of them. And Jesus doesn't question her belief in something beyond the grave. But he says, do you believe that your hope in life beyond the grave is only possible in me? But Martha, do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I am the great I am, that I am your God? And be sure this is a claim to be God, apart from taking the name of God, I am. This is a claim to be the one who gives life, and only God gives life. I was uh, put onto this book some years ago. It's called 13 Things That Don't Make Sense, written by a physicist, Michael Brooks, not a Christian. He has a PhD in quantum physics. And uh, he writes about 13 modern-day scientific anomalies. And for a dummy like me who didn't even take physics and completely failed chemistry and only just scraped through biology O-level, this is brilliantly written and absolutely fascinating. And I show you this book this evening because in chapter 5, Brooks explains how scientists know all the essential chemical components necessary to make life. And he describes attempts around the world to put those elements together and to create exactly the right condition to bring about life but the greatest scientific minds in the world can't do it. We can't give life. We can't make life, even with all our scientific knowledge. And that's because it is the preserve of God to give life. We can't create life and we can't restore life. We can't bring people back to life how we wish we could. I'll never forget those first moments after getting a call to say my mum had died. It was a Sunday morning. My brother and I had sat with my mum every day of that week. We saw how ill she was. Knowing she was a Christian, we prayed that the Lord would take her. But then when he answered that prayer and she was gone, I felt this utter devastation, this emptiness, that I would never be able to talk to her again. What I'd have done to be able to bring her back to life, just to be able to talk to her one more time, We can't create life. We can't bring people back to life. That is the preserve of God. And here is Jesus saying, I do that. I am the power that gives life to everything and keeps everything alive. I am the resurrection and the life. I give life to those who've died. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. Why, if that's not enough, there's more. And this is very wonderful. Jesus continues, verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's talking about eternal life, that in him we will never face the second death. Uh, But he's already given that assurance of eternal life at the end of verse 25. I think there's something more here. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Just look back with me to a verse we looked at last week very quickly. Verse 11. Do you remember, even before reaching the town of Bethany, Jesus knew that Lazarus had died. And note in verse 11 how he describes death. After he said this, he went on to tell them, that's the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Very often the New Testament writers describe death as this way, falling asleep. I guess they got it from Jesus. 
Now look, using metaphors for death can be quite unhelpful. It can be just a way of avoiding the harsh reality of death. You notice how people are reticent to use the word death. They don't say someone's died. They say, oh, you know, they, they passed away or, or they departed or, or they slipped away or whatever. Very often that's because we don't want to spell it out. But the New Testament writers are not trying to avoid the hard facts of death. Jesus isn't you know, trying to avoid that when he talks about sleep. Listen to these uh, excellent words uh, that I read in this book John, by John Wyatt. Uh, it's called Dying Well. Very, very good book. Well worth reading. He writes this. It is very striking that the New Testament rarely speaks of believers in Christ dying. Time and again, the phrase that is used is that of believers falling asleep. And why do the New Testament writers describe death as sleep? Well, it's not to avoid the harsh reality of death, but because of, for the believer, death is like going to sleep. Wyatt explains why sleep is such a brilliant description of death for the believer. He writes this, the person who's sleeping is in a state of unconsciousness, but that person is still alive. Throughout the period of sleep, however long the sleep lasts, the person is still there, intact and unharmed, but while the sleep continues, the person is inaccessible. It's not possible to have a meaningful relationship with a person while he or she is fast asleep. The person's alive, safe, intact, but unreachable. So John Wyatt concludes, from a theological point of view, Christian believers do not really die. Now look, before I quote from more from John Wyatt, yes, we do need to be sure that we know that death is terrible. We've been saying that these last couple of weeks. It's agony to be separated from loved ones. Uh, we'll see that very clearly next week as we watch Lazarus with Mary. At, at, sorry, as we watch Jesus with Mary at Lazarus's graveside. But while death is terrible for the believer, death is not the end. It is like going to sleep. And so, if you're a Christian here and you're worried about dying, which is quite understandable. Listen to these words from John Wyatt. Our Heavenly Father allows us to practice what it is like to die faithfully, to die as a believer and follower of Christ, every single night of our lives. He says, you know precisely what it feels like to die in Christ. It's like falling asleep. Isn't that wonderful and reassuring? And even better are these words, again from John Wyatt. To push the analogy a little further, the person who falls asleep in Christ is not only giving way to sleep after a long, grueling and exhausting day, falling asleep in total safety and security, but falling asleep on the first night of the holidays with all the anticipation, excitement and joy of waking up in the morning. And so Jesus says, verse 26 of John 11, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Death for the believer is nothing more than going to sleep and then waking up with Jesus forever, refreshed and with the excitement and joy of starting the rest of your life in a totally secure environment where there'll never again be pain or suffering or death or mourning. And Jesus says, I give that. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then there's the question at the end of verse 26. Do you believe this? It's a great question. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that all who live and believe in him never die? That's what Martha needed to believe, do you see? We saw she believed so much, but she didn't yet believe that. 
She believed that Jesus was able to heal the sick. That he had a special relationship with God. That God would hear and answer Jesus' prayers. But it wasn't enough. Martha needed to believe that there was life beyond the grave and it was only available in Christ. Martha, you, I, need to believe that Jesus is the I am, that Jesus is the one who gives life and can give life to dead people, that it is Jesus who will raise everyone at the final day, that Jesus is the one who gives eternal life, that in Jesus we will never die. Do you believe that? Martha needed to. Because then Martha would know that all our if-onlys are answered in Jesus. Martha said to Jesus, it's as if she said this, it's as if she said, you came too late. And it's as if Jesus replied, with me, it's never too late. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And as we'll see in two weeks' time, Jesus showed Martha that he was not all talk that he really was the resurrection of the life as he raised her brother Lazarus from the grave, dispelling all reasons for doubt. See, here is Jesus wonderfully taking Martha from despair in death and giving her hope in him. And when he asked Martha if she believed all this wonderfully, Martha replied, verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, the one who was to come into the world. Let's pray. Well, let me leave a moment of silence. I don't know what you believe. You may be like Martha who believed a lot of things. You may believe very little But Jesus says, do you believe this, that I am the resurrection, the life? That he who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. It's a question from the Lord to you this evening. So let me leave a moment of silence for you to make your own response to the Lord.